We are starting a brand new series today along the, the series of the, the theme of the year. Which the theme is strengthened, but we're going to start a new series on strengthened in our mission. Strengthened in our mission. If you look with me at Matthew chapter 28 and you look at verse 18, follow along with me as I read verse 18. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Half of you thought I said to read with me. So let's read it together, all right? Verse 19, let's read it together. Ready to begin? Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Keep going. Teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end. Amen. What you just read this morning is often called the Great Commission. The Great Commission. Christ has risen from the dead. He has uh, done his ministry three and a half years. He spent that time with his disciples, healing, teaching, preaching. And now he has risen from the dead and he's getting ready to go away, going back up into heaven with the Father, which, by the way, is where he is today at the right hand of the Father. But before he left, he left some instructions, not just in Matthew, but this certainly is probably the most popular uh, uh, Great commission, commission passage. As Jesus is getting ready to ascend, he leaves his disciples with some instructions. Today and for the next several weeks, we're going to clearly define the mission of the church. If you're a member here at Central Valley Baptist Church, this series will serve hopefully as a reminder to you that you are a part of a church that has a mission. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. If you're brand new today, and this is your first time you're here, I want you to know you came into a church that believes that they have a mission. If you're here and you are, have been coming for some time and you're considering becoming part of our church, joining our church, which if you'd like to do that, we'd love to have you be a part of our church. But know this, that if you join, you're joining a church that has a mission. And so for the next uh, uh, several minutes here, I want to give you, I want to answer three questions about the mission. The first question is this, what is our mission? What is the mission? What is it? The next question is this, what is your role in the mission? And then lastly is when are we to engage in the mission? And so hopefully I'll answer these questions today, but also encourage you as well. Let's go to the Lord and ask for his help before we get into the message. Our Heavenly Father, we come before you today and we thank you, Lord, for all that you do for us. Thank you for salvation. As we sing that song, Near the Cross, Lord, may we never forget that we are just sinners saved by grace. If it wasn't for the cross, we wouldn't be here together today. Lord, I pray that if there's anyone that's here who doesn't know you as their Savior, Lord, please convict their hearts, draw you to yourself, draw them to yourself, and I pray that they would be saved. For those of us that have been saved, that know you as our Savior, Lord, I pray that you would show us today through the Word of God and through the Holy Spirit's power. Show us, Lord, that we are part of the mission and what that mission is for us. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Now, I'm going to give an illustration. Some of you may not understand this, but I know one group that will. How many of you men in the room, how many of you men in the room have ever gone to the grocery store for your wife? All right. Your wife says, go to the grocery store. How many know what I'm talking about now? Yeah, yeah. Maybe some of you young, young people, you go for your mom. 
Your wife tells you, I want you to go to the grocery store and I want you to get something. She is sending you on a mission. How many of you have a hard time with that? Anybody else besides me? When I first got married many, many, many years ago now, my wife, she sent me to the grocery store. And she said, just for sake of illustration, because I don't remember what it was. She said, I want you to get some milk. Go to the store and I want you to pick up some milk. She just, all she wanted, Mrs. Perez, was a gallon of milk. I'm only saying that because I know John. He probably would have a hard time with this too. But anyway, she said, go get some milk. And I said, okay. So Brother Renison, I go, I go to, to the store. It was Rayleigh's actually right over here. And I go to Rayleigh's and I'm, I'm like, I'm getting some milk for my wife. And I'm looking, I'm doing my thing. And I'm walking down the cookie aisle. And I got distracted. And I start looking at those fudge-covered Oreos. And I start looking at Nutter Butters. Anybody like Nutter Butters here? Yeah, yeah, me too. And I start looking at Chips Ahoy, the soft ones, not the hard ones, you weirdos, the soft ones. And I start looking at those and I start looking at, and I'm like, man, and so I get a package of cookies and I shove it under my, I'm going to get the milk. And then I walk through the chip aisle and I see some chips and some dip. And I'm talking about sour cream and onion dip. I'm talking about salsa. I'm talking about salsa if you come from Arizona like I do. I'm talking about dip. So I grabbed a bag of chips and I put it under this arm and I got some dip and I got it in this hand. So I got cookies, I got chips and dip. And I'm walking through and then guess what? I get through the, I get through the candy aisle and I see that bag of Butterfingers calling my name. Kit Kats, all right. I grab some, I grab my Butterfingers. I grab my payday bars. Where's my payday people in here? Amen. And now I, and I'm looking at all this stuff for the Paul. I need a cart. So I go back to the front of the store. I get a cart and I load up all my junk food in there. And then I start walking back and I see that sign. I'm not making this up. You think I'm making this up, but I'm not. I see a sign that says ice cream. I thought, what good is all this with no ice cream? So I was in my 20s. So anyway, I pull, I go around and I grab, I grab some ice cream, pull off the shelf, put it in the cart. And, and, and then, okay, so imagine with me now, I got all this junk food. I'm serious. I got bags of it. I probably spent $60 on junk food. I get home. I got all the bags. And you know how men are. We don't carry one bag. We carry all the bags. So I got them. This is before, you know, bags were killing the world. But anyway, I had bags all up and down my arms. I walk in like the Hulk. And my wife takes one look at me. She can't believe she married me anyway. But she looks at me and she says, what is all that? And I'm like, what? It's just some, some snacks, you know? And then she says, she says it to me. You know what she said. Where's the milk? I'll be right back, right? So go back and get more stuff. But anyway, she sent me to the grocery store on a mission to get some milk. And, but what I ended up with was just a bunch of other stuff. And I ended up not with what I went to go get in the first place. A lot of churches today, we have a mission. It's clear from the Lord what the mission is. But a lot of churches are carrying a lot of baggage. A lot of Christians are carrying a lot of baggage, a lot of stuff that's good and, and, and it's neat and whatever. But we're sometimes, a lot of times, we're missing the mission. Missing the mission. And so maybe you're here today and you think, Pastor, what is the mission? Well, let me answer that question. So number one, if you're taking notes, number one is the question, what is the mission? What is the mission? We read in Matthew chapter 20, verses 18 through 20, what, what many call the Great Commission. Jesus Christ is leaving earth. He turns to his disciples. He says, okay, here's what I want you to do. Go ye therefore into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. That's in Mark. He tells in Matthew, he says, go you to all the world and, 
and baptize and to teach. And he gives them some instructions on what to do. That's Matthew. And then we see in Mark chapter 16, verse 15. In your notes, it says 15, 15. That's my fault. It's 16, 15. But it says this in Mark chapter 16, 15. Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And so how many creatures? So even somebody, you don't recognize what they are. Preach to them. Amen. And so go preach to every creature in Luke chapter 24, verse 47. The Bible says repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name, in Christ's name, among all nations. So in Matthew, in Mark, in Luke, three gospels, we see the Great Commission. We also see it in the book of John, chapter number 20, verse 21. As my father, Jesus says, as my father hath sent me, so send I you. We see the Great Commission in all four Gospels. And then we see the Great Commission in the book of Acts. Go to Acts chapter 1. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts. Acts chapter number 1. Acts, it's not like an axe that you chop wood with or axing someone a question. That's not what it means. Somebody turn in your Bible. You won't get that till tomorrow. But anyway, it's Acts, A-C-T-S, the Acts of the Apostles, the Acts that they did, written by Luke. And so we see it in Acts. Look at verse 1, chapter number 1, verse 8. Chapter 1, verse 8. Why don't you read the verse with me? Ready to begin. Ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. And so in the book of Acts, before Jesus is ascended, he says once again, you're going to be witnesses of me, not just where you live, not just in your town, but you, ye, and that word ye is very important, that word ye isn't just talking about the disciples. We're going to talk about this in a minute. Ye means you all. You all. It's important. Words are important. Amen? And so we see here that Jesus in the book of Acts says, this is what you're going to do. We see the great commission throughout the New Testament, directly and indirectly. We see direct statements in Matthew, Mark, Luke, in John, and in the book of Acts. We also see many examples of the Great Commission throughout the book of Acts. I think about Philip. I think about Stephen. I think about others in the book of Acts. Paul the Apostle, Timothy, and Barnabas, and these, they're going out, and they're fulfilling the Great Commission. We see it indirectly as Paul uh, challenges his, as he's mentoring Timothy in the faith. He says, Timothy, you will take what I've taught you, and you will teach faithful men who will be able to teach Others, we see the succession of the Great Commission. So we know that the Bible says that we're supposed to do these things. But what is the Great Commission? What is the mission objective? My failure at the grocery store was that I didn't do the one thing that my wife wanted me to do. I did a bunch of other stuff that I wanted to do, but I didn't. <laughs> and I do that often still today. Amen. But, but I didn't do the main thing, the mission. So the mission of the church, what is the mission of the church? I want to just make a, a, a side note here to try to teach us something today. The church has a purpose, and then the church has a mission. The purpose of the church is to bring glory to God. That is our purpose. Paul said, whatsoever you eat, whatsoever you drink, no matter what you do, do all things to the glory of God. That's the purpose of the church. And all God's people said, amen. amen. We do every, the church is, is for God's glory. That is our purpose. But our mission is to take the gospel to the world. And by the way, you will not glorify God if you don't do the mission. It's, you can't. Uh, my, when I got home that day, my wife was not happy. I did not, 
I did not honor her wishes. And so to, to honor God and to glorify God, we must do the mission. How many understand what I'm saying? If we're not engaged in the mission, we're not glorifying the Father. And so while our purpose is to glorify God, our mission is to take the gospel to the world. So simply put, what is our mission? Letter A, our mission is the Great Commission. Let's say that together. Ready to begin? Our mission is the Great Commission. This church, its mission, its number one mission is the Great Commission. You say, well, what is the Great Commission? Very simple. Go, preach, baptize, teach. And those four things right there. Let's say those four things together. Go, baptize. I'm going to make you think about this for a minute, for just a second, okay? Guys, you say go. Ladies, you say preach. Guys, you say baptize. Ladies, you say teach. I just fried some circuits just now. All right, guys, ready? Guys, ready? Go. Ladies. Guys. Ladies. Now let's change it up. No, I'm just kidding. We won't do that. And I haven't had enough coffee for that. But those are the the simplest way we can break down the Great Commission. We are to go. I said we are to go. We are to go. We are to preach. We are to baptize. By the way, if you're new today, this is a Baptist church. You say, why are you in, why is this a Baptist church? We're not Baptist for any other reason than this. Listen to me carefully. Listen carefully. Maybe you come from a different church background. This is why we are called Baptists. Back in, uh, back a few hundred years ago, when, when, it, when the Catholic church was sprinkling babies, a lot of babies. By the way, sprinkling babies is not in the Bible. You say, well, I was sprinkled as a baby. That's, that's good. You might have been able to get your hair combed or got a little shower. But that did nothing for you spiritually. Amen. Zero. Okay? It's okay. I mean, it's your parents, whatever, but that did nothing for you spiritually. Stick with me. Stick with me. Okay? So a lot of people were beginning baptized as babies in their religion. There were people that believed in the Bible since Jesus. There were always those that believed in the words of Christ. Always those. Always those. And they understood that baptism was for after salvation. And a baby cannot be saved because it doesn't understand salvation. And so a child that was baptized, if it was a tradition or whatever, but they recognized that that baptism did nothing for them spiritually. And so after a person came to Christ biblically, they understood, I'm a sinner. They understood that there's a penalty for that. They understood that Christ died on the cross and rose again. And they believed and put their faith and trust in Christ, not in works, but in him alone. After they were saved, these people, there's a lot of different names for them, the Waldensians. There's all kinds of different uh, uh, different groups of people. They weren't called Baptists. They were called all kinds of different things. These people began to take those that were sprinkled as a baby or whatever, and they were rebaptized them. And so they gained the name, or the nickname rather, Anabaptists, which literally meant rebaptizers. When when Baptists came to America, or those came to America, they dropped the Anna, and we just stuck with with Baptists. Amen? So that's why we're Baptists, because we believe in baptism. Not for salvation, not pre-salvation, but baptism after salvation. So go, win, go, preach, baptize, teach. And so that's the Great Commission. That is our mission. Let's not forget, letter B, that the Great Commission or our mission is God's command. It's God's command. We understand this morning that goodwill and doing nice things are good. I mean, doing nice things is good. And so the church and and much of the church now 
is like that husband who comes home with all the grocery bags but forgot the milk. Goodwill is the grocery bags. The Great Commission is the milk. Who's with me? And so it is not the church's mission to do goodwill. Goodwill is a side effect of the mission of the Great Commission. I mean, understand what I'm saying? So you might say, well, pastor, shouldn't the church feed the homeless? Shouldn't the church give people clothes that need clothes? Shouldn't the church and, and do all these things? The answer to that question is absolutely it should. Jesus said, don't tell someone uh, who's hungry. Well, good luck. Be warm and fill. You know, that's not the way, that's not the attitude we're supposed to have. We, we do have goodwill as a church. We do try to feed the homeless. We do try to do things that we're supposed to do. All of those things, though, are side effects of the mission, which is the Great Commission. Not only, are, not only is goodwill the side effect of the Great Commission, but goodwill can be effective tools of the Great Commission. I think about missionaries that go to a foreign field that can administer uh, a medicine or, or, or go to a foreign field and be able to help uh, the seeing and hearing. Those things are wonderful, and we ought to do those things. Amen? We ought to be a part of those things, but they are not the mission. The mission is the great commission. Goodwill is just the tool to get to the mission. I think about Jesus as he's feeding the 5,000. Jesus didn't just walk around feeding everybody. He fed them for a purpose so that they could hear the gospel, the teaching of Christ. And so while goodwill is important and it is something the church should definitely do, we got to be careful not to just listen to me carefully. Don't let me lose you. An organization that just goes to Africa to drill a well is not doing the Great Commission. That's not, I'm all for drilling a well. And I think that if you can do that, you should do that. But along with the glass of water is the living water. Because why would you give a man something to drink today and he dies and goes to hell tomorrow? And so there's the mission of the church, the mission of the church. What is the mission? The mission is the great commission, and the mission is God's command. Pastor, I just think there are many ways to show Christ's love. I agree with you on that. Well, I just think that we don't need to share our faith uh, the way that you do, and I think that I can share the faith the way that I, I do it. I think that that's fine, but listen real carefully. Don't lose me now. That's all fine and dandy to say that, but God has given clear commands. You may not agree with the commands, but you take that up with him, amen? You can have that conversation with him someday. I'm just saying there's five times we saw Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and in Acts, where God said to go, to preach, to baptize, to teach. That's the great commission. And so it's God's command. It's not a suggestion. I, uh, I, I just did this for the sake of doing it, but I took some of these verses and I translated them into a new Bible version I call this the New American Safe Space Version. Are you ready? Go ye therefore and teach all nations. If you feel like God has called you specifically to do that, if not, just make money and chill. How about this one? Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature as long as you feel like it's safe and you're comfortable with public speaking. Luke 24, 47, repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among all nations unless the culture deems it too extreme and unsensitive. John 20, 21, as my father hath sent me, even so send I you, if you feel like it. Acts 1, 8, you shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and to the uttermost part of the earth. That is, of course, unless you're busy. If you're busy, then you get a pass. How many understand that's not what the Bible says? 
You could take a knife and cut it out if you want to, but it's still there, amen? The Great Commission is not a suggestion, it is a command. And that's why the church has a mission. And so we see here, we see what is the commission. What is the commission, church? It is the Great Commission. Let's try that again. What is the commission? It is the Great Commission. What is the mission, not the commission? <laughs> Get those mixed up, but they're, they're both the same. So what is the mission? It's the Great Commission. Go, preach, baptize, teach. Let's try that. Ready? Go, Amen. Amen. Can I just say something here? Part of this series that I'm talking about is not just going to be about going and, and, and all those things. We're going to talk a lot about that. But I also want to touch on a few doctrinal areas and, and a few areas that, that, I, that I get concerned with. Now, I'm 37 years old. I, I'm not very old, but I've been in the ministry for 17 years. This is my 17th year. I grew up in church. I, I led songs for my dad when I was nine. And, uh, you know, I grew up around the church. How many of you that are a little bit older, I'm looking at some of you that have been in church a long time, how many of you think just a little bit that the church as a whole in America has changed? How many think that it's changed for the better? The, church, the churches in America are not the same that they used to be. Things are changing quickly. One of the major shifts, and I want to teach this to you as our church, because somebody might come here and think, wow, this church is a little bit different than some of the other churches I've been to. Churches are changing, and the, re- the number one reason why they're changing is because they're taking the mission that God has given them, and they're forgetting it at the grocery store, and they're picking up a bunch of other stuff, and they're not concentrating on the mission that God has given them. The culture today says, listen to me carefully, the culture today says that the mission is too extreme. Too extreme. For you to go tell someone else about Christ is extremism. How many understand that extremism is a command of our Savior. And so while the culture might define me going to someone's door, like I did yesterday and led a 27-year-old man named Henry to the Lord, somebody might say, that's extremism. But you know, Henry was pretty glad I came yesterday. All I'm saying is this. We, in our culture today, might look at that, and churches might look at that as, man, this is crazy. What are you guys doing? It's a command of the Savior. And so what's happening in America is there's a shift that's already taken place. It's not like it's happening right now. It's already taken place where churches, listen to me carefully, instead of focusing on the mission and telling others about Christ and going and preaching and baptizing and teaching, what we've done in America is we've created a bunch of amusement parks for sinners to have fun in. And the church is an amusement park. We have all this stuff. And, and listen, I want that. Listen carefully. Look up here. I want the church to be comfortable. <laughs> I love these seats. I want, I want comfortable seats. I want air conditioning. I want nice lights. There's a light burned out right there, Brother Asprey, just so you know. And uh, I, want, I want the lights all to be on. And I want all those things. And we, we want to have a comfortable. We want to be welcoming. We want the carpet, Brother, uh, Brother Ehrlich. We want the carpet to match the chairs. And we want nice colors on the wall. Listen, I understand all of that. I'm not talking about, you know, turning the heat way up and saying, ha come suffer at our church. No. No, no, we want us to be comfortable and, and welcoming. And we hope that if you're new today, that it's welcoming. and we, we want you here. We want everybody here. But the mission is the great commission, not for someone to come and have fun at church. The church is designed to equip, to encourage, and to employ the saints in the great commission. My job as a pastor is not to entertain people. My job is to equip you and to encourage you and to employ you in the mission. 
And so you say, man, woo, that was good, pastor. Give me some gospel tracks. I'm going to go witness to my coworker. And you go to your job and you witness to your coworker and your coworker sees what God is doing in your life and he accepts Christ as his savior. Then he comes here and then he gets encouraged and then he gets equipped. And then he says, woo, that was good, brother. I'm going to go out and tell my other coworker. And that's the church right there. But instead, we have these huge things where people are just coming and having a great old time. That is, somebody take the Bible and show me that's what God wants. It's not in the New Testament. No, the Christians went, and they went, and they told. And so we want to have a nice church, and we want to have Sunday school classes and all those things. And I'm not against those things. We want to have those things. It's for equipping and encouraging. But we cannot miss the mission. So who is commissioned? Number two, I need to move on. Number two, because I know in and outs calling, amen. Number two, who is commissioned? Who exactly was Jesus referring to in this verse, these verses, when he says, go ye therefore and teach all nations. Who is Jesus referring to when he says ye or you all, you all? Occasionally at home, I have four boys. Occasionally at home, Brother Ashbel, you know this. How many have more than three kids? We have more than three kids. You know what I'm talking about here. I'll call out at home, even if you had two kids. Even if you had one, even if it's just your husband, this happens. Anyway, you call out at home and I say something like to one of my kids, I'll say, you know, for instance, Max, I want you to, I want you guys to pick up your bedroom or I want you to, I want you to pick up the bathroom or I want you to vacuum uh, the carpet. I'll call something out to them. And then lo and behold, as often as it happens, brother Joey, I'll go and I'll inspect it. And guess what? It didn't happen. It's not done. Why isn't it done? So I'll walk in the room and I'll see the messes there or whatever. And I'll call out to the son who I gave the order to. I'll say, son, I'll say, why is this not done? Why did, not, why did this not happen? And a lot of times the answer is this. You know what I'm about to say? Oh, I didn't know you were talking to me. Baloney. I do this to my wife all the time. But anyway, uh, I didn't know that you were talking to me. I thought you were talking to so-and-so, or I thought you were talking to so-and-so. And sometimes as Christians, we read something in the Bible, we think, who is he talking to? It's not me. I wonder who he's talking to. Five times in the passages we read this morning, we see a direct command, but who is it to? Who's supposed to go? Who's supposed to preach, et cetera, et cetera. So the command is, that is given, the command is given, and we cannot wiggle out of that. But who is the command to? Perhaps it wasn't to me. So who is it to? Letter A here, it's not just the disciples. We know that to be true. We talked about this last week in Acts chapter number 8, verse 1. If it was just to his 12 apostles or disciples that he was talking to, then why in Acts chapter number 8, verse 1, do we see the apostles staying put in Jerusalem and they all else in verse 4 were scattered about to preach the gospel? Regular people like you and me went out to preach the gospel. The apostles stayed put. And so we see an, an, an example in the book of Acts where it wasn't the apostles that spread to Judea and Samaria and the uttermost part of the world. It was all of those who had followed Christ and who had given their faith and put their trust in him who were the ones that were scattered. So what does that mean for you and me? It wasn't just the disciples. And all God's people said, by the way, just so you know, if you have chosen to follow Christ in your life, you are a disciple. A disciple simply means follower. And so if you follow Christ, you're a disciple. And so the church was scattered. The disciples had stayed in Jerusalem and this church, this church in Jerusalem had spread and started to preach the gospel everywhere. We know that it's not just the disciples. Was it just the called? Let her be. Is it just the called 
Well, well, isn't it just the pastor's job or the missionary's job to go win, baptize, to, to go preach and baptize? Is it just the pastor's job? Is it just his responsibility? Maybe it's just the full-time Christian worker, ladies and gentlemen. Maybe you've never heard this before. But when you've trusted Christ as your Savior, you have signed up for the mission. When you trusted in Christ as your Savior, you said, I'm following Christ. I am part of the mission. I'm part of the mission. And the pastor and the staff and the deacons and the missionaries, they are also responsible to the mission. But it's not just them. It's everybody. Lord, help you if you have a pastor that doesn't go soul winning. Lord, help you. You have a pastor. I, I do go soul winning. I don't always lead people to the Lord like I want to, but I go. Amen. And I get yelled at. Yesterday, I was with our missionary, Brother Shoof, and well, that guy's crazy. <laughs> And so we go to this door, and this big old Rot, uh, not Rottweiler, a uh, pit bull comes to the door. Man, that thing was about to chew the door off. And he sticks his foot up, and he puts it on the screen door like this. <laughs> I was gone, so I was at the next door. But anyway, no, I'm just kidding. We don't always, we don't, we, the goal isn't to be rude or be belligerent or anything like that. We're just simply inviting people to church and telling them about Christ. But that's everybody's job. Hudson Taylor said this, the Great Commission is not an option to be considered. It's a command to be obeyed. Who is commissioned? Who was Jesus talking to? It wasn't just the disciples. It wasn't just the quote-unquote called. So who was it? Take your Bibles and go to Acts chapter number one. Who was it? Acts chapter number one. I want to show you something that really the Lord spoke to my heart about. I was up this week on my anniversary trip with my wife, and I was sitting in the hotel room thinking about this message, and just the Holy Spirit began really hammering me and convicting me of some things. And this is what he convicted me of. Look at Acts chapter number one, verse eight. And ye shall be what? What's the word? Witnesses. And ye shall be witnesses unto me. That's Jesus talking. He says, you're going to be a witness to me, Jesus said. If any of you have ever witnessed a crime, how many of you have ever witnessed a crime? Anybody here ever witnessed a crime? You know, like somebody to get stolen or shot or I don't know. You see a crime take place. What does it mean when you witness the crime? You saw it or you experienced it. If you ever get called into court to be a witness, you are to give a testimony of what you what? Of what you saw. You are to give a witness or you are to tell the, the, the I almost said the choir. <laughs> you are to tell the jury, you are to tell the judge what you saw. You are a witness of something that happened to you. May I just say this this morning? Let her see who is commissioned. Let her see. It's the witness who is commissioned and only the witness. The witness and only the witness. You say, what do you mean by that? Only a witness of Christ can be a witness for Christ. You say, Pastor, what are you talking about? What I'm saying this morning is this. Instead of asking the question, well, whose job is it to do the Great Commission? The question is, have I myself witnessed in my own life the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ? Have I been saved? Have I bowed my head and trust in Christ as my Savior? Have I seen Jesus Christ work in my life? Have I seen Jesus Christ change my life? I'm looking out of this room and I see people after people that got saved and the Holy Spirit began working in their life and their life began to change and, and all of a sudden things were different. And guess what? You are a witness to what Christ has done in your life. You're a witness of what's happened to you. But the question is, has that happened to you? If it's happened to you, then you are commissioned because you're a witness. 
the only group of people in this room, the only group of people in the world that are exempt from the Great Commission are those who've never witnessed salvation. So maybe today you're here and you think, am I exempt only if you're not saved? If you've had the power of Christ in your life, you're saved and you're a witness. Have I ever mentioned to you that I like In-N-Out? I'm getting hungry. I was going around to the different classes this morning. I love having Filipinos in my church, brother. Amen. I went, I went one, I get cinnamon rolls, amen. And then the next, I got, I got a big old plate of pancit, you know. So I'm eating cinnamon rolls and pancit between services. So anyway, but I love In-N-Out. I love In-N-Out. Uh, brother brother Renison, I, I tell you, I could go for a hot double-double animal style right now with melted cheese over that meat. I'm talking about, I'm talking about cold, crispy lettuce. I'm talking about ketchup. I'm talking about a little bit of that, those peppers on there, brother. I'm talking about hot, salty In-N-Out fries with, with that melted American cheese on top. Wash it down with a Diet Coke and some strawberry shake. Amen? That's what I'm talking about. I love it. How many know that I like it? You say, Pastor, why do you talk about In-N-Out so much? Because I like it. Amen? I love it. I like going there. You know, the, the headquarters of In-N-Out have never paid me a dime. I sh- they should, but they've never done it. I've never been offered a deal by In-N-Out. I've never been given free food by In-N-Out. Do you know why I talk about In-N-Out so much? Because I've witnessed In-N-Out. Mm-hmm. Some of you don't like In-N-Out. Well, you're not a witness. Amen. So anyway, I'm just kidding. Um, you know, the, here's the thing this morning. I, I talk about In-N-Out because I've been to In-N-Out. I talk about In-N-Out because I like In-N-Out. I talk about In-N-Out because I really believe that if you eat there and you have an open mind, your mind will be changed about In-N-Out. I'm telling you, you don't have to twist my arm to talk about In-N-Out. You don't have to pay me money to talk about In-N-Out. I just volunteer the information. Now, let's talk about the Great Commission for a minute. I said, let's talk about the Great Commission for a minute. Come on now. I'm feeling some Pentecostal coming out right now. Amen. Here's the thing. When you've had the Holy Spirit of God inside of you, when you've bowed your head and trusted Christ as your Savior, when you realize that your sins are forgiven, that you never have to spend one second in a place called hell, when you recognize that you bow your head and you pray at night, there's a holy God in heaven listening to you, and He's there to comfort you, and He's there to guide you, and you have the Holy Spirit of God to help you every time you read your Bible. And boy, I'm just telling you right now, when you have all those things going on, You don't have to have somebody twist your arm to tell somebody else. You don't need to be paid to tell somebody else about Jesus. You don't need to have a 45-minute message, have some guy yell at you and tell you to tell someone about Christ. When you've been a witness of what Jesus has done in your life, you don't mind telling somebody else. You just volunteer the information. How many of you are scared to share the the gospel sometimes? I am. I go so many almost, I think, almost every week, if not every week. Every time I tell someone about the gospel, I get scared. And I'm an extrovert. My wife, she's introverted. And I, so I, I see that. And I tell you, for some, some in this room, they, they're, not, they're not extroverts like me. But I'll tell you, Brother Ehrlich, you're an extrovert. Do you still get nervous every time you share the gospel? Every single time. That never goes away. But I'll tell you what. When you have that going on inside of you, and you recognize what Jesus did for you, it just comes out. Amen? Amen. It ought to just come out. Hey, listen, I'm just simply saying today, have you witnessed what God has done in your life? Has he done something in your life? Is it real or not to you? If it's real to you, and if it's real to me, then it shouldn't take much convincing. It shouldn't take a paycheck. It shouldn't take a guilt trip. You and I should be willing to talk about him all the time, be a witness all the time. Let me go to the next question here, and then I'll finish this up. I got I to gotta wrap it up because I'm really hungry at this point now. Number three, number three, when is the mission? When? Say, Pastor, okay. I know what the mission is. Go you therefore, 
I know who's in the mission. That's me because I'm saved. And I know I should tell others about him. Well, when am I supposed to do this? I'm busy. When am I supposed to do this? I don't have a chance to very often. I don't know very many different people. When am I supposed to do this? Take your Bibles and go to John chapter 4. And I'll, I'll end with this illustration here. John chapter 4. I love John chapter 4. We see the woman at the well. Jesus was the greatest soul winner that ever walked the face of the earth. How many agree with that? If you don't know what soul winning means, that's a term that we've used for many years in church. It simply means this, telling someone else about Jesus and praying with them, helping them pray and receive Christ. That's soul winning. That's what we call it, but you can call it whatever you want, outreach or whatever. Jesus was the best at this. You see him in John chapter number four. He finds this woman at the well. He goes there on purpose to talk to her. As he talks to the woman, she brings up all kinds of stuff, and he says something to the woman about her sin. He says, you've, you, you've done these different things. Of course, Jesus knew everything. She realizes, oh, my soul, this person knows what's going on. Somewhere in the conversation with the lady, you can read the chapter later, but somewhere in the conversation with the lady, she trusts Christ as her Savior. Say, so how do you know that? I know that because immediately she became a witness. Jesus didn't give her a uh, you know, five-week seminar on soul winning. She didn't go to Bible college. She wasn't ordained. <laughs> she just went to the town and told everybody she could. Come see this man. Come see what he's done for me. And so this whole thing is going on. The disciples are off buying lunch. It's lunchtime. Men, when it's lunchtime, they want to eat their sandwich. Am I right, guys? Leave me alone. I'm eating. They come back. They have their sandwiches. Jesus is sitting there with this lady. They're upset. This is not appropriate. She's a Samaritan. She's a woman. She's not in the same class as they are. And so in this culture, it was, very, uh, it was not a scene that would have been comfortable. And so the men murmur in themselves, why is he talking to her? And they ask Christ. They don't say anything, though. The Bible says nobody said anything. But they do ask him a question. They say, Jesus, isn't it time to eat? Let's eat something. So here's the saying, and here's what Jesus says. This is what I want you to see here. Look at verse 34. Jesus responds to his disciples, and he saith unto them, My meat is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. Say not ye, there are yet four months. There is yet four months, and then cometh harvest. Behold, Jesus says, I say unto you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields, for they are white already to harvest. Jesus looks at his disciples. He understands that they're hungry. He understands that it's lunchtime. But he looks at his disciples and he points to this woman and he says, I have meat, guys. I have something here that's a little bit more important than a sandwich. There's something that I need to do right now. God has uh, given me this to do, and this is what the Father wants me to do. This is his will, to stop everything else that I'm doing, to not go with you to go buy sandwiches, but to come to this well and to talk to this lady about me. This is my purpose. This is what God sent me here to do. And then all those people came from Samaria, and there was revival. Many people began to get saved, and it was, a, it was an amazing time. Church family, the question tonight this morning, excuse me, of when is answered for us. It's right now. It's right now. I said, it's right now. 2,000 years ago, Jesus said, don't say it's been four months. 2,000 years ago, Jesus said, no, 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 don't make, stop making excuses. No, no, stop, stop, put the lunch away. Right now is when the Great Commission is on. Right now. Right now. How many of you are like me? I'm very good at saying next week. Well, next week. <laughs> maybe next week. Maybe next week. Probably next week, hopefully next week. 
And this is what Jesus is saying. He's saying, stop saying next week. The harvest is white already. I love being a part of a church that has an organized outreach program, don't you? If, if we stop doing soul winning, I, you know, I would go to another church. We want to have, you want to be a part of a church that has regular outreach, scheduled outreach. Amen? We do it several different times during the week, but, and that's important. And I think that's very important that a church does that. But I think that if we're not careful, because we have organized outreach, we inadvertently develop a harmful philosophy towards the Great Commission. If we're not careful, we begin to think that the mission is only on Saturday between 10 o'clock and 12 p.m. noon. I missed soul winning this week. You didn't miss anything. You just missed a 15-minute meeting. I didn't go this week. Maybe I'll go next week. Listen, it's not about the meeting. It's not about the... Are you listening to me today? It's not about the meeting. The mission is 24-7. Yes, you can win somebody to the Lord on a Saturday between 10 and 12. And if that's when you go, that's great. But you can also win somebody to the Lord in the carpool on Monday. You can also win somebody to the Lord at the gas station on Tuesday. You can also witness for somebody, your coworker, on a Wednesday. You can tell somebody about the Lord at soccer practice on a Thursday. You can do something else on Friday that I can't think of right now. But there's lots of ways to witness. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. There's lots of ways, and there's lots of times. It's not just on Thursdays. It's not just on Saturdays. It's not just when we feel like it. Listen, the mission is now, and the mission is always. I fail at this so often. I cannot tell you how many times I've got in my car, or I've walked in a store, or I've walked out of a store, and the Holy Spirit said, you should have witnessed to that person. You should have handed them a gospel tract. They even gave you an opportunity, and you didn't do it. I don't know how many times. I've done that. We all do that. But may I just say to this morning, don't buy into that philosophy. The mission is on. I said the mission is on. You're a part of a church that has a mission, the Great Commission. Say, Pastor, I get so nervous. Pastor, I don't know what to say. Pastor, what do I do? I want to tell those about Christ, but I have a hard time with it. Let me just tell you this morning, you're in good company because we all do that. We all have a hard time with that. But here I want to encourage you with one simple thought. What happened to you? Not like what happened to you yesterday. I'm saying, what happened to you in your salvation testimony? What happened to you? My testimony is different than yours. Brother Asperger, how old were you when you got saved? Five years old. Man, you've been a Christian a long time. Some people got saved at five. Some people got saved. Brother Paul, where are you at? How old were you, Brother Paul, when you came to Christ? You were 12. Brother Renison, how old were you? 11. Ben, how old were you? 30 years old. We all have different testimonies. Some of you grew up in church. You made a profession of faith and got reassurance later on in life. Some of you went to a camp when you were a teenager and God changed your life next to a lake because you called on him. Some of you, boys, somebody came to my, my dad, if you were to hear his testimony, he's an incredible testimony. A guy came to his door, knocked on his door, led him to the Lord at his kitchen table. Everybody here has a different testimony who's been saved. You've witnessed that in your own life. See, I don't know the verses. I don't know what to say. Here's what you say. Can I just tell you something that changed my life? How many think I can do that? Can I just tell you something that changed my life? When I was this years old, when I was that, it was five years ago, 10 years ago, when this happened, I bowed my head. I accepted Christ as my Savior, and my life has been different. Every single person in this room today that knows Christ as their Savior is a witness. And to witness, all you have to do is tell someone else what's happened to you. Today, I want to start the invitation, and I'm going to ask you to do something a little bit different today. But... Keep an open mind during the invitation as we bow our heads and close our eyes. I want you to keep in mind 
keep an open mind towards what I want to ask you to do. Let's bow our heads together this morning.